All goes right. She's never going to get in here. All right. We're going to move these chairs. She was just there, but we should probably move them actually. Yeah, it was like, right. This is a huge, smallest person. Okay, well, we're going to get started. I'm not a professional announcer. So, I, what's that? I don't play one on TV. So I know of a few things that are coming up. FST is coming up the first weekend in February, right? Yes. You're going to pay Lindsay. Uh, the details for that payment, how much, and how to execute it are on Facebook. But if you have any questions, ask Lindsay. So if you're planning to go to FST, whether it's for just the evening or to stay the night, um, there's a payment due for that. Please see and get that to Lindsay. Any other announcements that anyone could think of? Okay, I don't think so either. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, I want to start off by asking, what do you guys, if you had to take a guess, what's the most like impactful Bible verse in history? In history. John three sixteen. That's the football verse, right? Yeah. Football verse. What, what's that, Carrie? That's Austin 316. God so loved the world that he gave up his That's a good one. Any other guesses? John 1 1. Or 1 through 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. I think it's probably something in Romans since we're. <laughs> 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 context clues. That's cheating. Romans 323. What's Romans 323? 6.23 Good. These are all, I like that verse. It's good verse. all good verses, obviously. But uh, and actually, like I was thinking, John three sixteen too. But according to Google, according to Google, no. Uh, actually, one of the verses we're going to get into tonight is probably one of the most impactful in history because of the way it was used, and we'll get into that a little bit. But um, does somebody want to pray? Yeah, God, just thank you for your word. Thank you that we're studying Romans. It's cool. It's a really good book, really deep book, but um, it's really nice to be back into it. And just pray that you'd open our eyes here. Um, 
help us to understand and please remind us of some things that maybe we've forgotten because we're kind of going back to the basics. Um, yeah, I just pray for your help in communicating this tonight and I pray that your uh, spirit would be with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, first of all, this is just, this is, we're getting into it, Romans. This is the introduction. This is written by Paul. And he's writing to the Christians in Rome. And Paul had never been to Rome, so this is kind of unique. Normally, Paul is writing his letters to the churches that he started. And he's like, hey, remember when I was with you, I taught you this thing. This is what you're doing great at. This is what you need to need some work on. But here, he's writing to a group that he's never met. Now, he knows some of the people there. He's At the very end of the book, he like gives some greetings of some people he knows that are there. But... Because he like didn't start this church, and it's not like his people, he's actually laying out the basics from A to Z, Christianity. This is, this is what matters. And so this is a really good book where he like, gets in to the basics, and he goes in through the depth and what really matters. So that's why it's a really cool study. Um, kind of gives you everything. How to grow and what matters with relationships and stuff like this. And so, um, like I was bringing up, Romans has been very important in history. Does anyone recognize this guy? Yeah. Uh, remember him? I remember him, yeah. Did you go to school with him? Uh, you just, you just got a day off. Oh my gosh. That was terrible. We just got a day off. Martin Luther King Sr. Senior? I knew his son. That's senior. Yeah. Yep, Martin Luther. And so... Martin Luther, he was, you know, reading Romans, and he was a guy who, he'd become a monk, and he was, like, taking it really seriously, but he felt really guilty, and he, he knew there was this, like, problem between him and God, and he actually tried to, like, resolve it by punishing himself, and, um, he would fast and he would pray and he would like, I guess he would freeze himself or like go outside and try to almost freeze to death. He would go to six worship services a day. Um, I had a quote from a teaching that said, he said, Martin Luther said, I was a good monk. I kept the rule of my order so strictly that I may say that if ever a monk got into heaven by his monkery, it was I. (laughs) I don't know if monkery is a word, but it's pretty good. So I, I looked at his uh, commentary on Romans years ago, and it starts out like Romans is such a book that uh, something about every Christian should memorize every word of heart by heart or something. He goes on and on about how we should, it's so important we should memorize the whole thing by heart. Like, that's what he said. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because what happened was he was like, so he was, didn't understand like how to resolve this problem between him and God. Like, I've got... I got something, I just have to like punish myself. And he became, you know, a scholar. He was like getting ready to teach his students about the Bible. And he was like starting in Romans. So he's studying through Romans. And he comes to verse 17. Somebody want to read verse 17? 117. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And so this is where he was struck. Because he was not a righteous man. He wanted to be. But he's not living by faith. He was living by torture. 
and he's trying to earn God's acceptance. And he's understanding, like, God's justice, the way it works is that we are actually justified by grace through faith, through trust, rather than trying to, like, prove ourselves. And this was, like, revolutionary. Um, and he started to teach faith. He started to, to go and teach his students about trust and what Christ has done. And he became the Protestant Revolution. So without him, we wouldn't be here teaching. We would probably be Catholics. You know, he, like, is the one who got out there and was, like, saying, like, you know, we got to trust in grace. Um, so very revolutionary because this is the verse that got a hold of him, got through to him, helped him to understand, like, this is the only thing that matters is just trusting the Lord, not trying to earn our way. And then it's doubly important because this guy, who remembers this guy? Mm-hmm. I think they're still. <laughs> 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 old. Not, not quite as famous, but still pretty famous. I don't blame you. John Wesley. So John Wesley was... John Wesley was a... He actually became a missionary, and he came over to the U.S. Um, yeah, back in the 1700s. So he came over here and tried to like teach people about God, but he was kind of a failure. He didn't really understand what he was teaching, and he decided to go back home, and he was on the ship, and the ship was like in violent seas, getting tossed about. He's like close to death. He's like really terrified. Um, so John Wesley is like freaking out. Like, oh my God, we're going to die. But the crew, the other guys on the boat were like totally calm. They were like singing songs. They were like praising God. And he's like, what? How are you guys able to do that? And they're like, you should understand, brother, brother John, you know? Um, and it turns out that these guys were like, um, these were Christians, and when he finally got back to, uh, to Britain, he like reluctantly went to one of their meetings, and they were studying Martin Luther's teaching on Romans. Mm-hmm. And that, chapter 17, or <coughs> verse 17, opened his eyes to grace as well through what Martin Luther King, or Martin, I knew I was going to say that, for what <laughs> Martin Luther said about it. So he ended up starting a movement that reached millions of people, became the Methodists, um, led to the abolition of slavery. Um, just really impactful. So between these two guys, like just from that one verse, Romans 1.17, these two guys have like opened their eyes and went out and affected millions of people throughout history. So, so we need new science for football here. Need new science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very impactful verse. I, I would have guessed uh, John 3.16 myself, but seems like this one probably is more impactful. So we're getting into it, and tonight is just going to be kind of an introduction, but he really kind of gives the main like thrust of like what matters. So, who wants to read in Romans for me? Can I? Yeah. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So first of all, Paul... Who is Paul? Paul was this educated, prominent Jewish scholar. He was educated by one of the most, uh, yeah, one of the most prominent leaders. Um, he was a zealous guy, really serious about his faith. Uh, he was a Jew. Um, persecuted Christians. He was actually standing by, like, 
cheering on when they martyred uh, Stephen, the first martyr. Um, he was going around rounding up Christians from house to house and um, turning them into the government. Um, he had actually asked the church, like um, the government, like, can you send me with some, some authority, with some letters to Damascus? So I, I've run out of Christians to persecute here in Jerusalem. Let me go to Damascus and persecute some Christians there, throw them into jail um, for following in this cult. Um, so he thought he was like doing a good thing, fighting for the Lord, going against these, these Christians because it's a cult. And on his way to persecute in Damascus, God appeared in this blinding light, like knocked him off his, his horse. He like couldn't see. And God said, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who is this? And he said, it's Jesus. I am Jesus. Not a good thing to hear if you're on your way to go like murder some Christians. And so Paul was blind for three days, went to uh, Damascus, and had some time to think and thought about, like, what does the scripture really say about this Messiah? Who is Jesus really? This guy just appeared to me and, like, told me that I'm persecuting him. So he rethought everything. He went from being the guy who's going and chasing these guys down the Christians to being the chief leader. And he wrote most of our New Testament that we have, planted churches all over, especially throughout Turkey and, and Greece. Um, and without him, like, we wouldn't know the majority of things we know about Christ. So, really huge life change there. And he says, you know, Paul, I'm set apart for the gospel of God. Now, gospel is really just a fancy churchy word. It means good news. I am set apart for good news. I've got some good news to share. And the good news is that you can know God. God is good. In fact, God is better than we expect. Or like Dave Ramsey would say, better than we deserve. And of all people in the world, Paul would be the least deserving of good news. God could have just struck him down right there and said, like, stop persecuting my people, you're done. But he didn't. He was graceful and he's like, I'm actually going to reveal to you who I am and I'm going to use you to go do some good things. Somebody want to read? <coughs> oh, that's smaller than I thought. Somebody up front can read it. Sure. Uh, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. <coughs> Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I am the worst. So he says that God came here for this purpose, to save sinners. I'm the worst one, and he's using me as an example to demonstrate just how good he is. And this is the way God defeats his enemies. He, goes, he says later in Romans, that he died for us while we were his enemies. God defeats en his enemies not by destroying and killing, but by loving and dying for them. And so the point here is, you're probably not as bad as Paul. You probably weren't persecuting Christians and trying to kill innocent people. God was able to use Paul in a really powerful way. Imagine how he can use you. Angie, mm -hmm. you read verses 2 and 3. Uh, the gospel of God, 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning the Son, who is descended from David according to the flesh. So, first thing here is it was promised beforehand. This good news was promised. I think we think of, you know, a lot of people think of the Old Testament and God was like this harsh judge or something like this. But he's saying this good news was actually promised beforehand. Um, and this is important because it's not just this thing that happened randomly. It's not like this good guy that just came and did some nice thing. But if anybody, if God wants to verify who he is, that he is who he says he is, one way he can do that is predicting the future. Who else can predict the future? So he carefully put together all this scripture over centuries, and in it he included what he's going to do. That is definitely smaller than it looked on my screen. Sorry about that. Can somebody read Isaiah 9-6? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is one of your like classic Christian or Christmas verses, right? Um, a child is born, so it's like Jesus being born. Um, obviously talking about a person, a human. But then he goes on to describe what it's going to be like. Government is on his shoulders. Okay, could be like a, a political leader. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. Okay. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Clearly talking about someone more than just a regular person. And God is very very much opposed to idolatry or to somebody like claiming that they're God, um, making the false claim like this. So God recording this in the Bible, saying that a child is born and he's going to be God. That's something like very serious. There's going to be a human who's also God. And he goes on in verse 7. You might as well continue, Greg. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yeah, so key thing here is he's, he's going to reign on David's throne. And now that's the same thing here he said up above in, in Romans. Paul is saying it was written long ago concerning his son descended from David, according to flesh. So here's a guy who is a human He's also God, and he's going to be from David's kingly line. He's going to sit on David's throne. And in fact, we know from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke that Jesus was descended. His genealogy traces back on both sides from Mary uh, and Joseph, traces all the way back to David. So, the good news, promised beforehand, Isaiah was written 700 years before this. So it's not like something you could just try to make work if you want. Um, 700 years ago, promise, all these promises, and this is just, you know, touching the surface. There's more promises. But he did this, and he prepared all this ahead of time for us. He is, well, there's a, you're probably familiar with this, like, story or this analogy, I guess, illustration. Um, it's pretty common is that there's a, a guy in a small town, and he gets in trouble with the law. Um, he was, let's say he was drunk driving, and he, he accidentally killed someone, and he gets arrested. And he's going to court, and everybody wonders what's going to happen because his dad is the only judge 
in, in, the, in the whole town. So they can't find, like, another judge. <coughs> so everybody's like, what's going to happen? Like, is the judge going to be like, he's normally a really just guy, he, um, very serious, but is he, he loves his son? So is he going to... Is he going to be just and sentence him? Or is he going to be, like, really lenient because he loves him? And so it comes, you know, after the trial, and the father is like, you're guilty. I sentence you to life in prison. And then he gets down, and the father actually says, take me away, I'm going to serve the sentence for him. And that's really the position that we're in here, is that we're guilty. I know I don't like to think that I'm guilty, but compared to God, I am. We, we hate, we envy, we lust, we're proud, we're bitter. This is really the whole point of like the law, is pointing out that we fall short. And that's like some of the verses you guys were, were talking about too, so we fall short. God has this like, perfect. And we can't just live with him in, in eternity forever if we're not perfect. And so God has a justice. This is where we get our sense of justice from. Some people complain about this, but we actually love justice. Like, people in the world love justice, too. Like, whenever you see, like, some sort of, like, rich kid going free for, like, rape or something like that, people cry out, like, where's the justice? God is a God of justice. And he doesn't just, like, turn it away and ignore it and say, like, well, because you're my kid, I'm going to let you into heaven or something. No, justice has to be dealt with. And going all the way back to, to Genesis, God says we deserve a death penalty, a death sentence. But the good news is that God himself served the death sentence. He's the only one who could defeat death. He's the only one who could die for an eternal, uh, infinite amount of sin. And so as a result, we're the ones that get to inherit life. We get to live. Just like that, um, the judge's son gets to go free, we get to go free. And we get to be with God for eternity. So this is why it's like the gospel. This is why it's the good news. Um, this is why Martin Luther is like, I no longer have to try to freeze myself to death in order to feel like I'm not guilty. Like, what? God has already done it all? Amazing. Um, I already read that one. Oh, I skipped over this. Yep. Might as well read Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yeah, so... This is really what he was doing. And actually, if you read through Isaiah 53, it's hard to believe that this was written seven centuries before because it like, it's going through in detail just describing all the things that happened to Jesus. Um, pierced through for our transgressions. Just, um, I think I have a couple more verses later on too. Oh no, I cut those out, I guess. Sorry. Um, but this is what he was doing. is like He took on all of our iniquity because we've turned away. And we've, uh, we've resisted him. And so this is the good news. Why he was doing that. Angie, can you get verse 4? And was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, I did have this verse. I knew it. 
Isaiah, continuing on in Isaiah 53, verse 8. Um, I guess we don't have to read the whole thing, but the, the point is, he was cut off from the land of the living. So you go through and he's talking about he's going to die. Um, he was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with the rich in his death. Um, that's That was fulfilled. With Jesus should have been, because he was crucified as a prisoner, he should have just been thrown in a mass grave, but he was given a rich man's tomb. Um, he hadn't done anything wrong to deserve this. And then um, we see that even after he dies, he's going to see his offspring and prolong his days. And so that's where he's talking here about the resurrection. He's going to come back. And that was also predicted hundreds of years in advance. This is the turning point. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, even his, his closest followers were like, Guess we uh, go back to fishing now? Like, what are we going to do? They, after all these years of following him, three years of following him, he kept saying, I'm going to die, I have to die, I have to go to Jerusalem and die, I'm going to die. They kept saying, like, no, 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 You're, no, 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 you're not going to die. You're going to lead us, you're our leader. Then he died, and they're like, guess we're done. Didn't see this coming. <laughs> and... They were given up and going back to their old lives. But then he appeared. And he appeared to the apostles. He appeared to over 500 people. And this is where Christianity just exploded. Um, you have these guys who are just like giving up. And then Jesus comes back from the dead. And you see them suddenly willing to like go to their deaths to tell people about this. So it's not like... It doesn't seem like a fake thing. This is one of the more convincing uh, pieces of evidence. Like, obviously, there was the empty tomb. No one was able to ever produce the body and things like this. But the fact that every, all these guys, like, changed and went willing to say, like, this is what happened. I saw it. He actually came back to life. I touched him with my own hands, and I'm willing to die for that. And Paul himself said that he saw him and interacted with him after he came back. And this was the turning point for Paul, too. So these people's changed lives. The power of the resurrection. So like, who else? What other leader of any religion or anything has claimed to even come back from the dead? But he not only claimed it, he said beforehand, I'm going to do it, and then he did it. Powerful. Angie? <clears throat> Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and so grace and peace, and you see this throughout, and that grace and peace, they're tied together. Um, we receive his gift, his good news, his sacrifice that gives us life, and it results in peace. And it's not that you never suffer. Christians suffer. In fact, he promises that we're going to suffer. Um, but the most important thing in your life is settled. You have a relationship with God. If you die tonight, after you've accepted Jesus into your life, you know where you're going. And that's a pretty peaceful thing. You also have a new family. All of us who are part of the body of Christ, we've all accepted him. We're like... Adopted into a new family, which is a really sweet thing. And I remember this, like, I guess it was almost 20 years ago now. 
I was just this lonely, depressed, anxious college student. Like, um, literally, like, didn't know that there was a God. I was just kind of like, I don't know, didn't have any friends. I was at college, at school by myself, like, breaking up with my girlfriend and just, like, walking around like, God, are you there? Like, if you're there, like, show yourself to me. I was, I was like, very nervous and, like, perplexed. And I prayed God would show himself to me. And then within probably a couple of months, I met Neil Brooks. And he brought me to this Bible study. And the, the first thing that struck me was like, well, I didn't actually want to go to the Bible study. I was like, that's kind of weird. Even though I, like, I just forgot that I had prayed, like, God would show yourself to me. I really just wanted some friends. And he brought me to a party. And I think, I remember Lauren was there. I think Joe was there. Some of you guys were there. And I just remember feeling like everybody cares and it's a really cool group. And I want to come back to the Bible study. And like, that's when like a couple of weeks into it, he was, Brooks was challenging me. Like, so like, do you understand grace? Like this, it's a free gift. What do you think about that? And I like, didn't want to think too deeply about it. I was trying to change the subject. But after like only a couple of weeks, he's like, you know, I've kind of screwed you over because I told you about this and God says you're judged based on what you know. And um, that was probably a good thing for me because then I, I thought that night, like, it's, it's, a good, it's good news and I don't know, like, I have anything bad to say about it. It seems like it makes sense. And so, like, I was driving home that night and I prayed, like he had said, like, just invite God into your life, ask him for forgiveness. And I do remember, like, all of a sudden, there's, like, this peace. And it's no longer on this anxious, like, kid. Sure, there's still, like, some stress. I don't know, like, what, everything that, that I'm going to do with my life. But it's like I got this one thing sorted out. And it's cool. Everything's cool. And I'm, like, part of this community, too. So I remember what that's like. And that's a cool thing. Like, God, God uh, welcomes us. I think, like, we should all try to remember that. Because a lot of us, I think... Have that experience. I think everyone here probably um, is a believer. And uh, it's good to remember, especially like if it's been 20 years, you can easily kind of get into this like, ah, I'm just, this, this is now the thing that I do every week, just showing up to home church or something. But it's like, remember what you were like before God uh, gave you this gift. So it's pretty cool. Angie? <clears throat> First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul's motivated. This is not like a simple trip. You know, he's, he's trying to go to, to Rome. Um, it's a long ways off. But he's like, I have to get to you guys. I have to encourage you guys. We have to share our spiritual gifts. I've been praying for you guys all the time. I mean, he's got like 100 churches he's planted. And he's like remembering to pray for these guys. He hasn't even met like 90% of them. It's pretty amazing. He's motivated. He desperately wants to go there. He cares about them. Angie? 
I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm under obligation. It sounded like he was like excited about it, like he's joyful and just like, I gotta go because I care about you. What's this obligation? It's more of like a sense of responsibility. Like when you get good news, you want to tell people. I had three people in the last week tell me about FanDuel's or DraftKings or you get $200 for signing up and then if you use my referral code, I get $100 and I've been able to play all these things and I get like $1,000 in the last couple and like everybody wants to talk about it. I look at Kevin, you probably... Are my doing. brother won't shut up about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so everybody wants to talk about this like great thing because you get two hundred dollars and like you can't like people won't stop talking about it. But like how much greater like this eternal gift that God um, has? It's just Paul. It's like on the front of his mind. He's like, I gotta tell people about this. I think for us, like the problem is it just like goes to the back of the mind and like Fanduel seems so much more important or something. Who uh, can somebody read Ephesians two ten? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Yeah, so he created us to go and do some good stuff. And this is where Paul is like, God gave me the least of all people this awesome gift. I want to go share it. God's created this thing for me beforehand to go and do work, do good work. So I'm going to go and do it. And so he's living with a purpose there. Angie? So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Yeah. Now Rome was powerful. This is the center of the empire. And Paul here is talking about power. Powerful city. I want to bring the power of God to you guys. This is a type of power that Rome didn't have. Rome could not bring peace, except what they called peace, Roman peace, was through intimidation. We're going to have peace because if anyone steps out of line, we'll kill them, we'll crucify them, and we'll line the streets with them. That was Roman peace. What he's saying here, I'm going to give you a different type of peace that comes through the power of God. And this power of good news for salvation... I'm not ashamed. He's not ashamed even though, you know, he's about to get arrested and sent to, to prison in Rome. He's getting beaten in most of these cities he goes to. He's getting, like, he's gone from being, like, one of the most prestigious, like, scholars of his, his day to being, like, this criminal that everyone's chasing down. And he's ultimately going to get killed for his faith. And he's saying, I'm not ashamed. I don't face that. I think the most that I face is like someone's going to look down on me like, you're old-fashioned. You're backwards. Someone at work's going to be like, that's not scientific. You're just, you're not a scientist or something like that. Someone's just going to like roll their eyes and that's like, uh, that's too hard to bear. Paul's like, I'm not ashamed. I'm willing to get beat up and thrown in jail. Like, I care enough about people. And he's joyful. I don't say this is like a guilt thing. It's just like, look at Paul. 
He's like living it out. And this is the verse, the Martin Luther verse that changed the world. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Righteous shall live by faith. God only wants your trust. He only wants my trust. No need to prove ourselves. And this is actually a, a quote of Habakkuk. Habakkuk? I, I, don't know, I never know how to pronounce that. Um, so this is something that's like from, this is God's plan even back in the Old Testament. The righteous shall live by faith. So, do you live by faith? Do I live by faith? Is that like the thing that like defines me? Craig lives by faith. Kevin, do you live by faith? Jeff, do you live by faith? Lindsay, do you live by faith? This is our reminder here is like we got to go back where we came from. We lose sight over time, and he's calling us back to the basics. It's like grace. It becomes like a chore sometimes, like, I, you know, i got to go to a home church and a prayer meeting and stuff, but I've got, like, so much, like, stuff i got to do for work, and the kids are being really annoying and, like, all this stuff, and, like, finances are a mess, and it's, like, the last thing I want to think about. But he's, like, this should be the first thing you got to think about is, like, trust. Just trust him. It's not complicated. Um, yeah, as, as older Christians, maybe we had, like, a picture of, like, what it was going to be like to follow God, and we have some disappointments. But we have great news. There's nothing to be disappointed in with God. Um, yeah, Revelation 2, Jesus says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So, I resonate with this from time to time. I feel like I go through the motions, and it's not like I love Jesus or something like that. It's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And God holds that against us, but he's still graceful. He says, just repent. Do the things that you did at first. Come back. Remember what it was like 20 years ago when you were just like, wait, I'm, God just wants to forgive me? That's cool. What's he want me to do? All right, that's awesome. You know, let's let's go and tell some people about it. Let's, let's you know, just enjoy our fellowship, this new family. That's awesome. Go back and do the things that you used to do. Pretty simple. Just change your direction. Spend time. Kindle the relationship with God. And that's something I need to be uh, making more of a priority within my life. Set aside some time like regularly, more regularly, uh, rather than just like when I'm working on a teaching or something like that. Study Romans on your own. Um, we're getting into this. We'll be in this all uh, semester. I guess none of us are in college, but we'll be in this for the next several months. It's good to go through and read it on your own and, and study it on your own. Um, this is a really great book. Uh, it was helpful for me just going through and reading the whole book as I was preparing for this, just to get refocused. Um, yeah, that, that good news that you heard years ago is the same good news. And I just want to wrap up here um, with Matthew, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I give you rest. Take my, yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
I think a lot of times we think that like following God is this like tough thing and it's just one more thing on the to-do list, but he's like, just come and have some peace and I'm gonna like do the work and I just wanna relate with you and it's really cool. Just like share with me what you're thinking, share with me what you're worried about and let's let's go and do this. So um, just, I think that's like, we're just doing an introduction tonight. That's as far as we're going, but that really sets up the book of like, we're going to be getting into God's grace and how God's grace applies to our lives. So, that's all. Yeah, please. So first, thanks for sharing your testimony. I don't think I've ever heard it before. And I love hearing people. And I love how you talk about that, the peace that you found. Then at the end, kind of wrapped it up by going back to that and going, remember that. Remember that, because, I mean, I felt that too, and I need to remember that too. Like, go back to that first, remember what you were before, go back to how you were. And it's not that I've had a trouble-free life since then either. Like you have, I'm sure you haven't either. And, but remember that. Like, remember that peace that you felt. That's yours now. Yeah. That's ours now. Yeah. Uh, so, thank you. Yeah, the temptation is to like, okay, now I'm saved by faith, but I want to go and like do all these things. And works. we gotta do all this stuff, yeah. I mean if I jump. Yeah. yeah, then we start like whipping ourselves again. There you go. What, what's your freezing himself? Yeah. I don't know how that works. Yeah. But yeah, sweet reminder. It's a great reminder for being out of the loop for a couple of months. Yeah. It's pretty powerful just to sit here and um, start Romans fresh and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not to be sounds stupid but it's like when Keith talked to me for the first time it's that feeling for me all over tonight um because I haven't been around for a couple months and I dove into work but now I'm going to dove into the word you know get back around and it really spe- it's sweet yeah it speaks to your heart it makes you want to cry it's good I know it's pretty pretty powerful so thank you thank you it's a good start well done Craig Anyone else have something to share? Well, i just uh, jump on what uh, uh, Terry said. Like, because we missed, uh, you know, we missed about a, seemed like about a month anyway. Yeah. And, and so it was so nice just to get back and see the brethren and have the teaching. And it was good. And then Terry, I guess, missed maybe a couple months or something like that. But, yeah, just nice. I love the home church. I love this church. It's... it's so powerful uh, with the teaching. <coughs> so, yeah. And it, you, you guys all do good. Awesome the way you teach. I mean, mm-hmm. I recognize it. <laughs> I recognize it, man. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Yeah, it definitely is good back, Good to be back. Like I always like, like that break, but then by the end of it, it's like, it's too long of a break. <laughs> I was struck by uh, verse 7, and I, I camp here a lot, not in this verse, but in this idea, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. And it's that whole idea of, am I living like he made me to live? He, made, he calls me to live as a saint, as his holy child. That's how he's made me, and he's working to get me there, you know, but... I go through a lot of periods where I'm like, I 
am not a snake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's a good it's a good reminder to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm this princess. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like a high vision for us, yeah. and it's not because like he wants us to like try harder so or something. Like, yeah. I think just going off of that, I think that I really liked the question that you brought up. Like, do you live by faith? Like, kind of like, does this define you? And like, that doesn't mean do you not struggle? Do you not like? have hard times or like even question God like it's do you trust him even though you have those questions and um then I also loved how you I love Ephesians 2 10 is so good um just like not only like we have a purpose but God very specifically like created roles for us intentionally for us to walk in and we have that like choice with it and that kind of goes with that like it does faith define you are you still choosing to walk in those works even if it's uncomfortable or not what you imagined or uh painful like are you are you looking for like where's god in that where is he what's he doing because he's doing something and i don't know i just i thought those points were really cool and like how you're talking like i don't feel like a saint but but are you doing the faith? Are you fighting with God? And I, yeah, and, re- and I recognizing the fact that regardless of how I feel, it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's really simple, but yeah. we all lose track of it. It's like... 100%. It's easier to worry sometimes, but that like, doesn't do anything. Or whatever. It's not easier. Huh? It's not easier. It feel, yeah, it feels easier. Yeah. Cool. Well, someone want to pray for us? I can do that. Well, Lord, I do thank you for this book, for this teaching, for um, the time that Craig put into this. I thank you for just the impact that this passage has had over the years, that your word is powerful and impactful and changes people's lives. So thank you for those examples of Martin Luther and John Wesley and sure there's countless other people who have been impacted by this passage you know we're being impacted by it tonight so yeah I, I do think it's cool to hear um, people's testimonies to hear Craig's testimony to think about where it was that we were at when you rescued us Lord and you're, you're maybe trying to rescue us now from some things even um, look back on that and that can be a really um, you know encouraging and edifying thing um, sometimes we forget where we came from, so we don't want to do that. Um, you know, I think it's a good reminder. It's a really, um, you know, encouraging thing to think back about those those times, and oftentimes they're really sweet and fun getting to know you and discover you. Um, that's really cool. So help us uh, think back on those times. Help us have times like that going forward, where we could open up the Bible today. Or uh, as we study Romans and, and have those same kind of experiences where we're reading the passage we've read many times, and it seems like it's the first time we're reading it. So I pray for that, Lord, that we can um, see you and hear from you as we study this book of Romans, that um, you know, it would be a sweet endeavor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen.
Activities. We used to have activities every other week. I don't think we've planned any of that, have we? Uh -oh. We'll have to start that up. No activity, no fun allowed tonight. Pizza, pizza, pizza contest.